You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. Be reading verses 41 through 44, and I read this morning from the Good News Translation. It's the uh, translation you have in your pews, and if you want to join me, uh, it is on page 67 in your pew Bibles. We can uh, join together on page 67. As Jesus sat near the temple treasury, he watched people as they dropped in their money. Many rich people dropped in a lot of money, but then came a poor widow who dropped in two little coins worth about a penny. He called his disciples together and said to them, I tell you that this poor widow put more in the offering box than all of the others, for the others put in what they had to spare of their riches. But she, as poor as she is, put in all she had. She gave all she had to live on. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So I have made mention of this before, but the Gregory High School class of 2006 cannot build a parade float to save our souls all there is to it. To this day, we successfully put one parade float through a parade without it completely falling apart. And that number soars to two only if you count the sunshade that Ryan Schwaggert built for our 15-year class reunion float that went through the parade a couple summers ago. And I don't know if you celebrate a 15-year class reunion, but uh, we did anyway. But to be completely honest with you, our focus as a class was not on parade floats. We knew we were bad, we knew we were a joke, and it just wasn't a part of what we cared about. Our real claim to fame as the GHS class of 2006 was the yearly high school versus middle school penny war. Every year around this time, we would have a penny war where each class has a jar and you can put in pennies to count to the positive and put in silver to count to the negative and whoever has the highest total wins. Starting in seventh grade, we won the penny war every year. This was our event. And in high school, it was even better because not only did we win the penny war every year, we won the penny war by $1,000 every year. Our senior year of high school, we won so big that our wrestling coach and high school science teacher, John Hansen, took us on a school-sanctioned, school-sponsored, we had permission to do this, senior skip day to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And when you're from Gregory, that's a big deal. (laughs) Our secret of why we were so good at the Penny War was absolutely no secret. Everyone knew we did this and everyone chose to just get out of our way. We picked a day during that Penny War to meet at the school 
and go out into the community and tell the community what this penny war was going to and then invited them to be a part of it. We would canvass the community and ask for donations. We would tell people what this penny war was going to, who in the community was going to support, because that was kind of part of the whole, the whole deal of it, was that every year it went to someone beyond the school system, and people responded. Some people gave us a penny, and that's wonderful. Some people gave us a $20 bill, and that's even better. But when those small gifts came together, when they were added together, they all came to be a part of something bigger. When people knew that it was going to a good cause, people had no problem stepping in to generosity, stepping into this high school, middle school penny war. After our day of collection, we would go to the bank We would write pennies in the memo line, we would put the check in our bucket, and we would waltz our way to penny war victory. Rather than looking at the penny war and thinking to ourselves, what good could we possibly do with a couple of pennies, we stepped in to the challenge. We stepped in to the challenge of the penny war. And yes, I will completely admit that some of our motivation was about winning. And some of it was bragging rights. And after a while, some of it was even just maintaining our reputation. But our ability to do good, our opportunity to do good, the power of that moment was not lost on us. In my junior year of high school, this, the, uh, the proceeds of the penny war went to a senior's mom. The senior's mom had just been diagnosed with cancer, and they didn't quite know what they were going to do. They didn't quite know how they were going to handle this, and yet here came this opportunity to work together and do some good. This morning, we are launching into a new message series, and it's a message series focused on stewardship. And contrary to the cliche, it's not just going to be three weeks of me standing up here and telling, me, and telling you to give your money to the church. And the reason why that is the case is, is no secret. And that's because just giving money is not all that stewardship is about. Stewardship is an invitation to step in and to see how much good we can do together. Stewardship is a gathering of our resources. Step, er, stewardship touches not only our financial giving, but also how we spend our time and our energy. I think that one of the things we've learned as a society now emerging from the COVID pandemic is that there is a value to our time and our energy, and that value sometimes is even worth more than our financial resources. Stewardship is a reflection of our faith in God. Stewardship is an opportunity to celebrate our spiritual maturity that we develop by continually seeking to align ourselves, align our steps to God's way and to God's call on our lives and to see all the good that God has given us to accomplish. 
And our series this morning begins in the Gospel of Mark. It begins in Mark 12, and it helps us to see what being aligned to God can look like, what being in step with God looks like. And what it looks like is the widow. See, just prior to this experience that around the temple treasury, Jesus is teaching a crowd, and he is warning the crowd about the religious leaders. He says to them that it's the religious leaders that like to walk around in long flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the best place in the synagogue and the best place at the table of feasts. They take advantage of widows and rob them of their homes and then they make a show of saying these long prayers. Jesus is saying, don't be like them. Don't be like that. And what happens next almost happens in direct illustrative contrast. What happens next is that the crowd is warned and the example is given that they need to follow. Jesus is teaching and he happens to be sitting across from the temple treasury and he observes how people give their offerings. And I like how it's phrased in the Common English Bible. It says that many rich people were just throwing in lots of money. And the implication of that seems to be that they were just throwing in their pocket change. That they were just going about their business and doing this without thinking about what they were actually doing. They were giving their time or they were giving their financial resources in a way that was convenient. They were giving what they had on them and they were giving what they wouldn't miss anyway. But then there's the widow. She came forward, and she doesn't have the same level of income. She's a widow. She might not even have a level of income. But she comes, and as it says in the Common English Bible, she came forward and put in two small copper coins worth about a penny. Rather than just throwing in lots of money, she comes and puts in her offering. She places it carefully, intentionally, prayerfully. She gave what little she had to the work of God that was happening through the temple. She stepped in and she trusted. And did you notice that it wasn't the amount of the gift that was remarkable to Jesus? The amount of the gift was not the important part of that story. Jesus does not comment on the abundant gift of the rich and the small gift of the widow. No, Jesus comments on the motivation. Jesus comments on the intention. Jesus comments on the reason why the gift happened in the first place. The wealthy gave because they knew that was what they were supposed to do. The widow gave what little she had because that's how much she trusted that God would do something with her gift. The wealthy gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her life. She gave what she didn't have in order to be a part of the work that God was doing. She is the one that teaches a lesson to the religious leaders. And those that were gathered on that day, she is the one that teaches us. 
She stepped into the challenge of stewardship. She stepped in because she trusted God that much. And she stepped in because she was hopeful about what God could do with her last two mites. Let's think back to the penny war for just a second. Adults stepped into the challenge of a penny war and entrusted their financial resources to teenagers. And I'm sorry, teenagers, you're not the most trustworthy individuals on God's green earth. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just got a death glare from the back row, it's fine. But then teenagers, having been entrusted with financial resources, put them to good use. It wasn't the size of the contribution. It was trusting that all those gifts would come together and do good. If adults can trust teenagers that much, can we trust God that much? If adults can trust teenagers that much, can we trust God that much? Where can you step into the challenge of stewardship? Where can you step into the challenge of of generosity? How can you align your steps with a God who loves you? What good do you see in the world that you want to be a part of? What do you still hope we can accomplish through the giving of our finances and our energy and our time? How can you entrust your resources of time, treasure, and talent to God's use and combine them with all of those gathered around you so that we can do a whole lot of good? We've done good, haven't we? We have done good, and we will continue to do good in our community and even beyond, but still there is good yet to be done. And so let us step in and be a part of it. Would you pray with me? Loving Jesus, we give you thanks for the way that you teach and the way that you move and work in our lives. And we just give you thanks for everything that we have that has made us who we are. Help us to faithfully respond to that by seeking opportunities to share be good stewards, to align our steps with your desire for the world, and to walk forward boldly in your name. We love you and we serve you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.